welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. All right, friends, if you want to make your way back to your seats, that would be great. Uh, wow, welcome to you all. Happy Easter. We've even got some people in the balcony. How you doing up there? Good to see you. Yep, yep. Um, first hour was a zoo, so um, the kids were here. Man, it was crazy. Uh, a number of people came up to me like, man, that, feels, that felt like a wake of old right there. It's like resurrection happened in the church and on Easter and a whole bunch of things. So really glad uh, you all are here. A um, couple things before we get started. Uh, if you're new to Awaken, uh, and this is maybe first or second or third time here, uh, we're just really glad that you're with us. Uh, there are some cards in the seat pockets in front of you, or you can go online and click a little button that says, I'm new. Uh, and if you'd let us know you were here, uh, we'd appreciate that. We'll invite you to a beverage of your choice, and we can hopefully get to know each other a little bit. Uh, if you have those or tithes their offerings, they can go in the black boxes at each of the exits. And then just one quick announcement. Um, we're doing this uh, Ukrainian egg event next week. Uh, it's Orthodox Easter next week. Um, the Orthodox Church celebrates Easter. And we are, uh, we're making Ukrainian eggs. It's a fundraiser, so it's a free event, and then we're just taking donations, and all of the proceeds for that will go to uh, refugee work. Um, some of you know Tom and Donna Albinson in our church. Uh, they've got folks over there on the ground uh, working with refugees coming out of Ukraine, and so all the proceeds will go to that, and you'll get to leave with a, an egg, a Ukrainian egg. So... Um, the first hour, it's one in four. The first seating is full. Uh, 60 people already signed up for that, and I think there's like 30 seats left for the second seating. So if you're interested, please join us. That's an event for the neighborhood and for you all. So um, that is that. Sound good? Okay. Um, if, if, all, all other things related to Awaken go out in, a, in an email every week called the Awaken Weekly. You can subscribe to that online. Um, but I would like to just begin with the most like joyful, um, buoyant, exuberant welcome to you all. It is Easter. I mentioned earlier, like last the last year, I was looking at a camera, and this is just like way better. I hope that uh, you are enjoying and remembering like what it means to be the people of God on Easter morning in the church. So welcome to you. Uh, some of you call Awaken home. This is totally normal for you. This is part of your rhythm. You come here, uh, you do this, and it's it's great. Uh, the the themes of, of Easter and resurrection and new birth, like, yep, we're, we're all in. Uh, but for some of you, maybe this is a little out of your comfort zone. Maybe somebody dragged you here. Um, maybe you dragged yourself here. I don't know. Maybe you haven't been here in a long time. And when somebody says, he is risen, maybe you think to yourself, really? Like, are you sure about that? Uh and I just want to say that, like, that's all in the room. I know that, and that is, like, okay. Um, I, I've shared this story before, but a few years ago on Easter, I had, like, a total crisis. Uh, I woke up, and I was like, do I buy any of this? Which is a bad day for a pastor, you know? Like, you got a big, it's the Super Bowl of church, people. You know, it's like, they're coming to hear resurrection. And I'm like, I don't know about this. So I just want to say, like, everything belongs in the room here at Awaken. And however you've made your way here, uh, today, uh, I also want you to know that I've been thinking about you. Like, I've been praying for you. I don't pray as much as the average pastor. Sometimes I feel bad about that. Other times I don't. Um, but this week, I did pray for you. Like, I'm not lying to you. I can't lie. I'm authentic. We value authenticity. So I, I wouldn't tell you if it wasn't true. But I prayed for you. And I pray and I hope that, like, this story of resurrection, like, makes its way into your home, into your hearts, into your life, in a, in a way that maybe for the first time in a while, like, you, you dare to believe that um, there's, there's hope and there's joy. Maybe, maybe like, just for a moment, you, you feel something well up inside of you that you remember as joy. 
um, and, and that this story finds you today. Uh, that's what I pray. That's what I hope. Um, so I'm going to ask my friend Charlie. He's going to come, and uh, we're going to read a little bit of the opening of Mark's gospel and the ending of John's gospel. Uh, at Awaken, we often stand for the reading of Scripture. So if you're able, I invite you to stand, and then we'll just jump in. Um, so here we go. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> we read two passages there, Mark chapter 1 and John chapter 20. Mark's gospel opens in a pretty dramatic way. I, I hope to make uh, that case in a moment. And John ends his gospel with Jesus appearing to his disciples and offering the same word, the same greeting to three different people. Peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you. Um, because... I want to talk about stories today, actually. I want to talk about stories, and I want to do that because I think that stories and the stories we believe and the stories we tell are actually very, very important. Uh, they, they maybe are more important than a lot of things. One author writes this. He says, the destiny of the world, I mean, that's a big, that's a big statement. The destiny of the world is determined less by the battles that are lost and won than by the stories it loves and believes in. I mean, think about that. The world that we live in, its destiny, its future, determined less by the battles that are won and lost by who has power or who doesn't, and more by the stories that we tell and that we believe in. Um, I want to start with Mark's gospel because, as I said, you, you can't overstate how charged these 14 words are that you heard. Um, it's a pretty alarming and stunning sort of uh, counter to a story, a narrative that the people of Jesus' day who would have heard this first would have been familiar with. And Mark opens with a complete 180, like a counter narrative. It's the kind of thing that you could get killed for believing or for saying out loud. In fact, some disciples did get killed for saying things like this. Um, it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a sentence that sort of exposes everything for what it is. And it's everything you need. And it's like, the, it's the opener, right? Most people are still in line getting popcorn at the movie theater when this statement is read. But it's all there. And so I want to offer three ideas, three ideas for your consideration today. It's animating narratives, counter narrative, and then the story that you're invited into. So animating narratives, counter-narratives, and then the story you're invited into. So let's start with animating narratives. What is that even, Micah? Well, if I were to define it, I would say it's a story that shapes, impacts, influences, and ultimately determines how we think and live in the world. So a narrative, of course, is a story. It's a way of, uh, of recounting what has happened. Or, uh, and an animating narrative is one that impacts, it influences, it, and it determines how we think and live in the world. Um, like, if you were to take this glove, for example, by the way, if you're missing a head black glove uh, that you left at the church, I have it. Uh, this was in the Lost and Found. So if you, like, look at this glove, everybody knows that's a glove, right? It, it stood up for me first hour, but it's not doing it here. It's a glove, and it's like, it's there. It's an inanimate object, and um, it's got five fingers, and it just sort of sits there. But, like, the moment someone puts their hand in the glove, well, now it becomes something, right? Now it's animated by something else. There's an energy inside of it. You can, like, shovel snow with it, or you could throw a snowball at your brother or your sister, or any number of things. You know, you could deliver the mail with this thing. Why? Because it's animated by something. It's got something inside of it. You think about our bodies, right? Like, we're flesh and, bon flesh and bones. We're skin and bones. But then there's this, and without the something... 
The soul or the breath, it, we're just like, we just lie there. But when it's animated, when a body has a soul and breath in it, it becomes something. It's animated by it. It lives. It moves. It has being. Similarly, stories, narratives, animating ones, uh, they, they impact and they influence, they determine what we think and how we live. I would argue that each of us uh, have been shaped by, we are being shaped by stories that are animating our lives as as men in the world, as women, as Americans, as Christians, as people, as any number, right? There's all these kinds of stories that animate, that impact our lives. Uh, when I was in seventh grade, uh, I remember one particular animating narrative that I believed to the core of my being that had something to do with these genes. Does anybody remember these? Jabot genes, yeah? Yeah, anybody? Does it, did anyone have a pair of these? Am I the only? A couple, thank you. I appreciate that, yeah. So these are, uh, these are genes that were very, very popular in the 80s. Uh, it's a French company, and for whatever reason, the marketing team thought like their mark, their trademark, would be this white tag that they sewed onto the zipper area, which, you know, that's questionable. Uh, a lot of people were like, you can't have those. But they were like, uh, they were so popular, and everyone who was anybody had Jabot genes. So I grew up in a home. I had most things that I needed, but not everything I wanted. And I really, really, really wanted a pair of Jabot jeans, like so badly. Because if you had them, you know, you could like go to school and people would be like, whoa, cool jeans, man. All right. You could go into a party and people would be like, oh, that guy, he knows what's up. He's got, he, he's got the outfit. He's got the, you know, the, um, the what do they call that? The, uh, where people, the uniform. He knows what the uniform is. He's got Jabot jeans. There they are. So much so that I actually paid a girl, a person, sorry, uh, uh, I, I once, like, I told this story at a camp a long time ago, and I, like, said the person's name, and Laura, my wife's like, you can't do that. Like, that's not cool. So it was a person. I paid this person uh, money to steal a pair of Jabot jeans for me from a store, from, like, TJ Maxx. Can you believe that? I wasn't a pastor back then. Like, come on. Like, you haven't done anything like that before. Now, when I, when I was in seventh grade, you guys, I was tiny, like very, very small, super skinny. We had a party at my house when I got to five feet tall, like not a joke. So when you're stealing a pair of jeans, like you, you really don't think about those kinds of things. So the jeans that came back that were stolen for me were like size 33, 36. I still don't wear 33, 36s, but it didn't matter. I wore them to a Halloween party. I literally like took a belt and just like cinched those suckers up rolled them like six times, and I wore my Jabot jeans to this, this party. Why? Because I believed in a story. I believed in a narrative that said if you didn't have these jeans, you weren't anybody worth, con like, you weren't anything of consequence. That's a stupid story, but it illustrates my point. And there are, like, all kinds of stories, narratives that we believe are true right now that influence and impact our lives. For example... Some of us, like, it's, it's all around us all the time. You go to the grocery store, you go to the mall, and the, 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 the narrative that you won't be happy until you have that thing. You got to make enough money to be able to buy the things, the toys, the thing, because they will make you happy. And unless I get that thing, unless I have this house, or I live in this neighborhood, or I have that car, or I have that computer, or that iPod, or iPad, or I whatever, you're not going to be happy, right? 
And that is a story that's being told every day on the TV and in the magazines and in our media that you see all the time. In fact, malls are like built around this story. Did you know this? It's called scripted disorientation. It's actually a thing. And the malls of America, not just the mall of America, but the malls in America, including the mall of America, are built around this theory. So you walk into the mall, and it's like sterile. It's very quiet. It's serene. Why? Because they want you to think that you have to leave your crazy life and come into this mall and get a little bit of respite. So they don't bombard you with anything when you come into the mall. That's on purpose. Also... The common spaces, like the, the, the areas that aren't the stores, um, they are, there's no clocks and there's no windows because they want you to like, suspend reality. They don't want you to know that you're like, not in your own life or what time it is. <laughs> because the longer you're there, the more likely it is that you'll buy something. Uh, the, the surfaces on the common spaces, super bright lights, like think of the Mall of America right now, and the super bright lights in the concourses and the hard surfaces. So it's like, it's marble. So it's like chaotic and sounds bouncing around. Why? Because you like desperately want to go into the store then. So they drive you into the stores. And then when you get into the stores, all the things they want you to buy are invariably on your right. It's called the invariant right. And the thing that you probably need is in the far back corner of the store. Why? Because then you have to like walk all the way through the mall and the longer or the store. And the longer you're there, the more things that you pass, the more likely you are to buy something. Because they know humans buy this myth. Think of Ikea. <laughs> I mean, that's like, that is it right there. Everybody just wants the meatballs. And they're at the end. You got to like, you go this for some meatballs, and you're like, I got a couch somehow. I don't know how it happened. But it's true. It's true. We buy these narratives, these stories, and this one is just an example of one that is like totally uh, uh, all around us all the time, right? And there are many more. I, I, I give you these illustrations because I, I want to suggest that there is an animating narrative that is present in Jesus' time that everybody would have known, and it would have impacted everybody who lived there. And it's called the Roman Empire. So you, in Rome, uh, in, in the Roman Empire, there is a story that would have been told that, is, that rests on three ideas. The good news according to Rome, that Caesar has brought peace, and that Caesar is Lord. So the good news of Rome. Uh, it's actually a Greek word called euangelion, and it means gospel. It means, it's where we get our, our word evangelism. So Rome was huge, massive, right? Like from Spain to Saudi Arabia, Britain to Egypt, huge. Like the largest empire the world had ever known. And it was the most powerful, and it just ran over anything in its way. And it conquered anything that stood in its way. And it would just keep growing, keep expanding by brute military force. They had the best weapons, they had the most technologies, they had the most soldiers, they had chariots and horses. And they would just ride into new areas, and they would conquer these areas. And it, you, and, and when they did, you were given two options. You either bend a knee, you bow, you worship, you submit to Rome, or you die. They would just kill you. And when Rome would come and conquer a new area, they would send out news, like a news report, right? And it was called the Gospel of Rome, the UN Galleon of Rome. And it was essentially that more land has been gathered, more tax money would be available, and the dream of Rome would continue on. It was the good news from Rome, and they would literally send it out into the empire, to the farthest outposts. That was based on this idea, or it was, it was from that uh, Caesar 
will save and protect and bring you peace. So the promise of the Roman Empire, when they would send out this gospel, was that um, essentially the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, uh, this propaganda to ensure that there weren't insurgents or uprisings, but you just essentially push this agenda, this idea that Caesar was in power, and as long as Caesar was in power, there would be peace. And you as a Roman citizen would, would get all the benefits of the empire, as long as you bend a knee. And you say things like, and in this way, Caesar was seen as the savior of the world. The first Caesar, Julius Caesar, was actually believed to be born of the gods. I don't know if you know this or not, but all of the Caesars after Julius Caesar were were spoken of as the son of God. So you have the peace, the gospel, the good news of Rome, that peace has come from Caesar, the savior of the world, the son of God. There were um, coins that they found, like digging up, Uh, around the Roman Empire and artifacts where they would literally see these inscriptions across the empire that would say things like, salvation is to be found in none other save Augustus. Or, there is no other name given to men in which they can be saved. Do you hear the, the Apostle Paul right now? He's just stolen Roman propaganda and he's retooling it which is why he got killed. <laughs> uh, and Caesar is Lord. So, This is the animating narrative of Jesus' time. That Rome, the gospel, the good news of Rome is that Caesar is Lord, that Caesar has brought peace, and as long as you bow a knee, then all is well, and you get the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. Now, read Mark's opening line again. The beginning of the good news, euangelion, the gospel, the beginning of the good news about not Caesar, but Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. What have we just heard? A counter to the narrative. If this is what everybody knows and believes, that Rome, the gospel of Rome is common, that Caesar brings peace, and peace is yours as long as you bow a knee. Mark opens his gospel and says, the beginning of the good news of, of Jesus Christ, the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's, a, it's like a giant cosmic middle finger to the Roman Empire. You know? You remember Ross from Friends? It's like Mark saying... That. It's like he just strikes a match in a, in a bomb, like a, 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 what do you call those? A factory that makes gunpowder. Like, can you It's just huge. It's big. It's massive. It's like people die for saying things like this. And this is what he says. The good news, this gospel, that peace is brought not through domination, not through bloodshed, not through do- power over, but rather through sacrificial love. And that Jesus is the world's true Lord. Lord just means like the, the rightful owner, the, the rightful uh, uh, person in charge. That see, Not Caesar, but Jesus, the Christ. It's the ultimate counter-narrative. So this morning, whether you know it or not, I would argue that your life is shaped by, influenced by, impacted by animating narratives. Things that you're being told all the time, every day, that you believe are true. So maybe you think that you're, you're, uh, you, you have to make more money in order to be happy. Or that your worth, your value is not determined, but actually you have to like work for it and earn it. And so you just keep producing and keep going and keep working and grinding. Or, or maybe that, you know, uh, uh, America first. America first. And by, you know, this way of life has to be protected. And the only way to do that is by military. And you got to be strong. So we got to have more guns. And we got to have more planes. And we got to have more... The top of the corporate ladder will satisfy you. So at all costs, at any cost, right? These are things that we believe 
And Easter is not just a, a day we go to church to not feel guilty anymore. I would suggest it's a day we're reminded that the stories that we tell and the stories we believe in actually impact the kind of life that we live and the world that we make. Why do you think the world is the way it is? Because people believe particular stories about themselves and about other people. Friends, Easter is a moment where all the stories are called to account. Where all the narratives that say anything less than what is true are called onto, like, brought in, out into the light and Christ comes out of a grave and says, listen, there is a different story, a different narrative that's being told that's been told all the way from the beginning and it's that out of death comes life. This is happening all around you all the time, gang. Like, go, out do- go outdoors and lo- watch the trees for the next couple of weeks. Like, death comes from, or life comes from death. It happens all the time. It happens in the universe. It's like plants in a garden experience resurrection. That's what's happening all the time if we have eyes to see it and ears to hear it. The question that I want to ask you and that we as people need to, to like, wrestle with is, do we want to participate in that? Do we believe that that is true? Jesus shows up in a room after he's crucified and killed by an empire who offered a particular narrative about what the world looks like and how it works. And he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Three times. Parents in the room, you know what just happened there, right? (laughs) Listen to me. This is important. I'm going to repeat myself. Do the dishes. Do the dishes. Do the dishes. Peace be with you. The good news about Jesus the Messiah is this. All of the inevitable outcomes of the stories and narratives that dominate our world and that have dominated our world for since time immemorial, stories that are rooted in selfishness and self and ambition and envy and strife and domination or the diminishment of another person, like all of these stories and these ways of being are swallowed up by the sacrificial love of God in Christ. That's Easter, friends. And it's a story that's available and on display all the time. Now for you and for me, as I wrap this up, I would just get to the same place I get to every year at Easter, which is this. Either Jesus Christ, which was not his last name, Jesus the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, either this was a real person who lived on planet Earth and who died on a cross at the hand of the Romans and then actually resurrected from the dead. Either that's true or it's not. And, and if you're wondering about, like, I'm not sure if that is true, that's okay, that's, that's fine. Like, welcome to the story, welcome to the game. Either that's true or it's not. And if it's true, friends, it changes everything. It speaks from like the top of the mountains that life and the path to life is not power over, domination, me first, at the cost of you. Actually, it says a complete opposite word, which is that sacrificial love wins. That that is the engine of the universe. That's how it works. It's the only thing that can create and generate and last because everything else collapses in on itself, like a black hole. So there's, really, there's two stories, two narratives that I offer to you this morning to choose between. One 
has you at the center and your needs above everybody else's. Where you got to get it while you can because there's not enough to go around. And so it is. It's dog-eat-dog world, right? It's like we used to joke around, my brothers and I, the golden rule of the Witham family was do unto others quick before they do it to you. Or there is a divine presence that, that, that somehow spoke, breathed, created life that we experience on planet Earth. And that divine presence made itself known in the person of Jesus the Christ and demonstrated what life looks like as a human, where actually sacrificial love and forgiveness of even our enemy is the way to life and fruit and and joy. So it's really two stories. And I would just offer you those perspectives today and a moment to, to, to ask yourself, which one of these stories do I live from? And, and what is my life about? Is it about this resurrection way that we see on display in Easter and in Christ? Or something else? And how's that going? So I'm going to offer a word of prayer uh, and just a moment for you to consider. What, what, what is the way to life? What is, what is the way to happiness? What is joy as a human on planet Earth? And to consider these two alternatives. So pray with me if you would, and I'll give you just a moment to consider. God, we gather in this place, uh, and I recognize it as a holy and sacred place and moment. Because your presence is here. And so I would ask that you would make yourself known. That whatever is needed and necessary for my friends in this room and who are listening or watching that you would make yourself known to us in a way that we can comprehend and see and experience you. And that you would reveal what is true and real and what it means to be human and the invitation that you have, which seems to be this way of sacrificial love and the way of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, do your work. Speak your word over us today, I pray. It's good. It's good. Uh, friends, it's Easter. We did it. Um, I offer this blessing every week, and um, every now and again, I, I like to remind you that it's not out of habit or duty or obligation or even because it's easy, because it's a hard one to memorize. I forget it all the time, actually. Um, but uh, it was first given to Moses. I don't know if you know this. Numbers chapter 6. Moses is like, what do I say to these people? And God's like, tell them this. And uh, the ironic blessing has been said over people like you for thousands of years. And so I offer it to you today. And I, I hope and pray that it is true, that you experience it as true, that it like sinks down into your, like the bottoms of your feet, that you would know that the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The church said together on resurrection morn. Amen. Grace and peace, friends. See you next week. You can find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakening community or on Twitter, Awakening Community.
see you next time.